0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is back and better than ever for the 2021 football season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Double your initial deposit Just for signing up today, use the promo code NFL100 at checkout. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. Good. Good afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast. It's Football Monday, everybody. I hope y'all are doing awesome here today. Week three is in the books, and uh, we had a really, really fun week. Finally, a proper witching hour in the NFL uh, from start to finish after, of course, the shitty Panthers-Texans game. It was an excellent, excellent football Sunday. Great way to send me into the week. We've got a great show playing for you today. We're going to knock through about a dozen of these games as we do on these Football Mondays, and there is only one place to start this week, and it is the same place that we have technically started each of the last three weeks. Wish that we could get something more interesting going on here, but the Kansas City Chiefs have played a hell of a first three weeks, but the Chiefs did not win this week, which means we get to play a different song Here on the podcast, one that is near and dear to my heart. absolute banger and I'm happy that we get to bust that song out this week and not overreact about the Kansas City Chiefs but the Kansas City Chiefs for the third week in a row played in the game of the week which tends to happen when you are the super team of the NFL and you start the season one and two when everyone knows that you're really really good and you play some really really fun high scoring games and you just happen to lose two of them because of Clyde Edwards Hilaire fumbles I know that That's a bit of a stretch to say that the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Chargers because of a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble, considering that fumble happened in the first quarter, but the end result was so close that you could argue Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has cost Patrick Mahomes a win twice. It's pretty hard to dispute, though, that the Chiefs' defense hasn't cost Patrick Mahomes a couple of wins already this year, because Kansas City's been lighting up the board for the most part here early on in the season, and I said it out the gate. This was probably in the second or third quarter of the game where the Chiefs had uh, three turnovers in the first half, a a couple fumbles, a Patrick Mahomes interception on that no-look pass that everyone started freaking out over. And it was in that moment that I said, this is that once every couple years or once every year, once every like 18 games, Kansas City Chiefs turn the ball over a bunch game. And it happened last year against the Dolphins in Miami. This is when the Dolphins were like number one in turnovers in the league. And then they got two quick interceptions of Mahomes, and everyone was confused what was happening. And then there was a one handed interception in there by Xavier Howard. And the Chiefs still scored 31 points in that game. And they probably should have lost had it not been for the Miami Dolphins offense struggling between Tua and Fitzmagic at that time. And so, the Chiefs ended up winning that game last year where they turned the ball over 3 times and they turned the ball over 3 times in the first half. One a Tyreek Hill fumble, one a Clyde Edwards-Helaire fumble, and of course, the no-look interception that Mahomes had to some random tight end. And y'all know we do memes of the weekend coming up in the second half of this podcast or maybe you've already listened to the memes of the weekend episode that drops in the same podcast feed. But Kansas City had so many randos running around out there that weren't Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill trying to do the Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey things. And it was just really strange and jarring to watch. But yeah, Kansas City had that no look drop that Mahomes threw behind the guy, but also hit his hands and only tipped into the air, which allowed Asante Samuel to make the interception because it only tipped in the air off of, I, I, I don't think it was Bell. I think it was there's another tight end there that the Chiefs have. They've got so many dudes that look like Kelsey. They've got a, bu- a bunch of, uh, not Guseckis, whatever the backup style tight ends are, but just gigantic dudes. And so, you know, I think, Kelsey still finished with 100 receiving yards despite the fact that they kept throwing to all these Kelsey lookalikes. But this started off as that once a 3 year once a year 3 turnover quarter against the Chargers. And the Chargers were up 14 nothing for most of the first half and then it was 14-3 cuz the Chiefs got a field goal right before the end of the half and then the Chiefs stormed back the way that we've seen the Chiefs do probably a dozen times the way that we expect like oh you've left Mahomes three minutes to go that's like three minutes too many or at the end of the game when the Chargers scored that touchdown where we looked up we're like eh, 40 seconds down six you know it's not over yet Mahomes always has something in the back pocket um, even if that doesn't count as being in Philip Rivers purgatory just you know too little too late for Patrick Mahomes uh, he was the, the third place on the uh, Memorial Philip Rivers Purgatory Award, which we will, of course, hand out every single week in the Memes of the Weekend podcast to honor the quarterback that is down eight, one minute to go, no timeouts, length of the field. Mahomes technically got that this week, but uh, I think he probably fits third on the billing behind the two who do end up getting the award this week. But even then, I got sidetracked a little bit. The, the point being... The Chiefs stormed back the way that we expected the Chiefs to storm back. And for the second week in a row, the Kansas City Chiefs get outplayed in the fourth quarter. And I heard a really great point about this that I hadn't considered until just coming on the podcast, which was, it feels like the Chiefs are going through the motions at times. Is that the Chiefs, it's September, they've been to the Super Bowl two years in a row, they went to the AFC Championship the year before, The Kansas City Chiefs, and this is the part that concerned me at the start of the year, and I know, like, September football exists to just reinforce our already pre-existing beliefs. Like, I fully acknowledge that this is a pre-existing belief I had, and now I'm playing the results to reinforce that belief. Whether it's right or wrong will be irrelevant, and we won't be able to know until January when we again play the results. With that being said, the Kansas City Chiefs have played four preseason games in two of the three years so that comes out to eight preseason games well i guess seven this year cuz there was only three so seven preseason game or no that would be eight preseason games cuz they didn't have one in 2020 so eight preseason games plus 3 16 game regular seasons 48 two games in 2019 four games or i'm sorry three games in 2000 and 19 when they won the Super Bowl and three more games this last year. So add eight to that, 16, 48, 64, plus the three preseason games this year, plus the three in the regular season. The Chiefs have played 70 football games within the last three calendar years. That comes out to about 23 football games per year and we talked about this last year because last year's Kansas City Chiefs team was just so much monumentally better than everyone else in the league like it was them at one and everyone else sliding in somewhere afterwards and that's not the case this year because the Kansas City defense is not as good this year as it was last year or in 2019 which was the best version of the Chiefs defense in the Mahomes era because the Chiefs' defense is not that good this year, the Chiefs are not that overwhelming as they were before. And yet, yeah, losing Sammy Watkins hurts and losing an offensive lineman here and there and then having to rebuild your entire offensive line and having it be good enough, of course, makes a difference. But the Chiefs are not as good of a team this year as they were last year. And we had said that coming into the season. But the regular season doesn't matter for the Chiefs. And if they are just going through the motions... I understand why they're just going through the motions at this point. And there was one play towards the end of the game where Mahomes threw. It was right before the gigantic completion that got them to midfield and then led to the Hail Mary that came up short. But it was a short pass. It looked a little short-armed by Mahomes. Could have been intercepted, was incomplete. And in that moment, it's like, oh, they're not going to win this game. It's a tie game 24-24 because the Chargers, you know, snap and fractioned at the goal line when they were about to go ahead. But they had to kick a field goal to tie it. And the Chiefs threw an interception that just like I sat there and just my mouth went agape when Patrick Mahomes threw that interception that set up the Chargers for what should have been a game-winning field goal. But then the Chargers scored a touchdown before the clock ran out. And then uh, they ended up missing the extra point in what felt like it was setting up for the most chargers loss ever because kansas city makes coaches do weird things but when you combine that with the chargers who always do weird things with clock management it felt like it was just a beautiful combination that was going to result in the chargers taking an l just like what usually happens to the lions and falcons But it didn't happen that way. And Kansas City gets a pass interference on that fourth and nine, everyone was freaking out about. And Kansas City gets, um, you know, gives up the easy score to Herbert and the the crazy Chargers offense. Chargers offense is so good. I mean, it's not Chiefs good, but, you know, from where we expected it to be at the start of the year to where it actually is, I think the Chargers are probably the most pleasant surprise of anyone because that's like a top four or five offense in the NFL right now. And that's you know i don't know how where the chargers defense stands they obviously forced four turnovers of patrick mahomes today and in the first two games allowed like 20 and 16 points but i don't i you know i haven't looked at dvoa stats on the chargers defense yet and it's a again a small sample size but still i don't know how good the chargers defense is but if that's a top four or five offense with herbert and company then like watch out for the chargers cuz good lord that offense is unbelievable and they have two teams in their division that are both three and O. that we'll get to at some point here and we're spending a lot of time on this game because there's just so much intrigue to break down because for kansas city this is definitely not a panic mode i said it before like if not for that once every like 18 games mahomes turns the ball over a shit ton then the chiefs win this game by two touchdowns like they were starting to do in the third quarter and th- and From this point going forward, as long as Patrick Mahomes and the core of that team stays together, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the division for a decade. They've won it five years in a row. They're going to win it this year. They're going to run that division for a decade. And if that's the case, Kansas City does not have any meaningful regular season football the rest of the way through. And so if they lose these games okay... All you have to do is not lose to the Raiders and Broncos and Chargers three out of six times and you're going to be okay. But the Chiefs defense is not good. And that's the part we talked about last week. So I don't, you know, I don't want to rehash the same, you know, broken record because the exact same thing happened, which is Chiefs defense struggles to get stops. Teams can score in the 30s against them quite consistently. They are a bottom fourth defense in the league. And the last time they had a bottom fourth defense in the league, they lost to the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And those are legitimately concerning points for the Kansas City Chiefs going forward that will be hashed out as we go along further into the season. What's interesting now is just the idea of them going through the motions. Because, yes, regular season games don't matter for the Kansas City Chiefs, but we're just used to them winning them anyways. And maybe just maybe the Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers, and they'll play Buffalo in Week 5 are the hardest teams in the AFC so Kansas City's going to get these wins back by beating up on the Eagles and the Giants and Washington and you know the Bengals, and the Steelers. Maybe they'll get some of those wins back, but Kansas City still being 1 and 2 with the problems on defense can get concerning. And for the Chargers, Chargers at this point, you got to beat Denver and Oak, or Denver and Las Vegas, and you're going to be good because that team is really good for the Chargers. At least that offense is really good. I don't know how to do the metrics for the defense, as I mentioned before, but that is a really, really good defense or a really, really good offense. And the Chiefs. I mean, this is the final point. I'll go here before we go to another game. The Chiefs lost the game in the same way most teams lose a one-possession game. And one-possession games like that are usually just coin flips 50-50 by most NFL team standards. It's a bit of mistakes on their part. Mahomes interception, pass interference on 4th and 9. And part of it is the other team making plays. So a combination of both usually turns the tides or can explain what happens in these toss-up type of games. Which is to say... The Kansas City Chiefs are, counter to evidence that we've seen in the past, like most teams. Kansas City Chiefs are more human this year than they were last year, where they were just a super team running through the NFL. We knew that coming into the season. I had said, I'm picking the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, but I don't feel as confident as it was last year. The only reason I'm picking them is because I don't know who's the team that's going to take them down. And this far into the season, I'm looking up, I'm like, Maybe it's Baltimore because of Lamar Jackson. Maybe it's the Browns because that defense is the best in the NFL or top three in the NFL, which is just nitpicking at that point. Maybe it's Buffalo because Josh Allen is back now. I don't know the team who's going to do it, but the Chiefs are obviously vulnerable because they're just not as good as they were last year. And that team ran through the AFC last year, which means just the gap is getting closer. They're still the best team in the AFC, but the gap is not as wide as it was last year, where we just knew the whole way through Kansas City was going to make it to the Super Bowl. So contrary to the evidence of the last three years, the Chiefs are, in some ways, like most NFL teams, especially when you put them in fourth quarter situations where the game is pretty tight. last two weeks, defense couldn't really get a stop. And every now and then their offense is going to make mistakes, like Mahomes throwing interception with two minutes to go in a tie game or Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbling the ball away last week. We don't need to play the results of them being one and two. Again, last week is is a toss-up that just, you know, bad luck goes against them because Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbles. Could happen to them in the playoffs, absolutely. I think the Chiefs can also be the team that wins by 24 against anyone in the league. But they're like most teams. And that's something maybe we haven't admitted enough about Kansas City over the past few years. I love that this is the Rams' song whenever they score a touchdown. Now... Maybe at the 70-plus yard touchdowns, but still, every time I've seen the Rams score a big touchdown this year, that is the song that they bang out at the SoFi Stadium. The team that's having more fun than anyone else in the league and also just looks so handsome. I mean, I was watching Deshaun Jackson. Higby's graphic came on the screen when he scored a touchdown. He's handsome as hell. Cooper Cup might be the most handsome receiver in the NFL. Stafford is just smoldering. McVeigh. Was running up and down the sidelines. He's got some musculature to him. Youngest coach in the NFL, despite the fact he's been in the league for like five years now as a head coach. Good lord, the Rams are smoldering hot. Uh, I'm going to put that on the poll, actually, on, uh, on Comical Sports Memes. You can check that out. If you're listening on Monday, you can answer to the poll to that are the rams the most handsome team ever assembled that's what i'm gonna ask there are the los angeles rams the most handsome team ever assembled because i'm gonna go yes all the way through even robert woods has got some some game to him let's say i i think uh The Rams are the most handsome team ever assembled, but the Rams whooped up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like we predicted on the Take It Easy Pick'em Pool and Wired Up episode 87. Uh, Rams are really, really good. And a lot of people said this coming into the year that, you know, the Rams had a really good defense. And I talked about, for myself specifically, I know a lot of people were probably like, sold on the Rams more than I was I had said the Rams are like a sneaky team where I think they could be Super Bowl favorites and I thought they were a top three team but I thought they were also right there with the Seahawks and it looks like they're a good deal better than the Seahawks right now considering the Seahawks like against the Vikings really struggled to stop the run and put pressure on the quarterback which is not surprising but also was unexpected against the Vikings And the Titans from the Seattle Seahawks. So, you know, the Rams are clearly a really, really good team. And the part I I talked about before, defense is often sporadic year over year, but the testaments to how defenses stay at the top consistently is having star players at multiple positions. So like if it's a collective unit dominating on defense, for example, like the 2019 Buffalo Bills or last year's. Um, what's their names, the Pittsburgh Steelers of last year. To stay at the top, you kind of need stars at specific positions that are like top of the league. And maybe the Steelers aren't the best example because TJ Watt is that. But after that, you know, it's like Devin Bush, who's maybe a top five uh, middle linebacker. You have Minka, who's maybe a top 10 safety. You've got, you know, you've, you've got a few pieces here and there. If you're Pittsburgh, and it's not because I just forgot who else is there, they obviously used to have Bud Dupree, and now it's Joe Shobert who's kind of in there. Joe Hayden's kind of hanging around. Like Pittsburgh has some guys, uh, and the Rams on the other side, though, they've got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who are the best corner and the best defensive lineman in all of the NFL, and so having those two anchors year after year is a sign that your defense is already going to be really, really good. And the Rams lost a lot of dudes this offseason. Um, obviously, Troy Hill, John Johnson, Ebukam, all those guys left the Rams. And there were definitely concerns like, oh, what's going to happen if you plug in? Well, they gave Leonard Floyd that giant contract extension, even though their game plan was, can we just get a an interchangeable edge rusher? to put alongside Aaron Donald. And Leonard Floyd's been okay this year. You haven't heard his name too much to start the year, but Aaron Donald was a force in pressuring Tom Brady, hurrying Tom Brady, despite the fun fact that he's never sacked Tom Brady in his career, um, which I think is a testament to the offensive lines that Tom Brady has had across his career and the fact that Aaron Donald's only played him like three times. But even still, Tom Brady was under duress for most of the game. He ended up with, I think, over a 100 QBR still. But, you know, from start to finish, the, the Buccaneers got dominated in a way that I didn't think would happen. But when I picked the Rams, I it's not like I hesitated on that. I'm like, the Rams will win this game. And probably if they're going to win this game, it was probably going to be something like a 34-24 type of win, despite the fact there were no points in the first quarter, which was, you know, a bit shocking to me you know Tom Brady had to kind of hurry at the end and I was right he was at 103 QBR on the game which is one of the higher of the day but the Rams obviously forced him to throw the ball a lot he didn't have any turnovers on the game which was a success they forced field goals and you know the Buccaneers were from start to finish be uh, like never really had a chance in the game Uh, all the way through the Rams dominated and you know they had a lot of fun doing it, like when uh, Sean McVay is running up and down the field. Because the Rams are all just so happy. I talked about this after the uh, the the Bears Rams Sunday night game back in Week One. They just look so freaking happy, and I'm happy for them that they're happy because the Rams have been so much fun this year. And look, the Rams schedule is going to get really hard after this one I the next week they take on uh, I believe the Cardinals next week is the Rams next one then they have the Seahawks on a short week on Thursday night football and so uh, then they have the Giants which is obviously like 10 days off play the Giants just give that one an automatic win for the Rams but this is just the gauntlet of the NFC West that we've talked about a lot where you know you're gonna have to play all these teams over and over again Cardinals then at Seattle then they get a bunch of easy ones Giants Lions Texans get set then Titans 49ers Packers Jaguars easy one Cardinals Seahawks Vikings Ravens 49ers like this schedule becomes a gauntlet and so the Rams winning these ones early in the season that are kind of like nestled in between some easier wins like you know they played the Colts who are obviously zero three but the Colts are probably the best zero three team in the NFL right now um, they, obviously the Rams beat up on them and beat up on the bears. So beating the bucks was like the start of this hard stretch for them where the Rams were going to have some like legitimate tests coming up across the next few weeks. And the bucks were obviously one of them. Cause if you told me the bucks were going to play the Rams in the NFC championship game this year, I would not be surprised at all. And if you told me the game was going to go exactly like how it went today, wouldn't be surprised at all. Because Tampa got picked apart in the ways Tampa gets picked apart, which is their secondary is crap. So the way the Rams replaced that was, what if we did the Steelers thing where we just use the pass like the run, slant routes, out routes, four or five yard plays to our just a ridiculous plethora of receivers. You know, Van Jefferson, you're going to get a touchdown here. Um, Deshaun Jackson, you're just going to go over the top for a 75 yard touchdown cups going to get a touchdown. Higby's going to get a touchdown. Robert Woods, you're going to have a big run play like all over the field. They're just like, what if we just use these weapons we have at wide receiver and use the pass like the run? Cause the bucks are really good at stopping the run, but they're not good at stopping the pass. So let's use the pass like the run, use it to our advantage. Excellent game plan played out by the Rams, and they just look like they're having so much fun. I cannot reiterate this enough. The Rams look like the most fun team in the NFL. I want to be a Rams fan right now. Doesn't pay to be a Mahomie. They're 1-2 and, and getting roasted. The Rams look like so much freaking fun. You know, the the Browns-Bears game probably could have been a Memes of the Weekend one, but there was some intrigue going on in that game, more so to the uh, stat of the day here that uh, Justin Fields took nine sacks in the game. Well, I guess it was a first-ever start for the rookie quarterback, took nine sacks against the Cleveland Browns. He completed five passes. There are fun stats all over the place from this game. The fact that if you take the minus yards for the sacks, Justin Fields and the Bears' offense finish with one rushing yard. The fact that Justin Tucker's game winning kick traveled 66 yards and the Bears had 49 yards of offense in the game. There's going to be fun stats like this when we do memes of the weekend and talk about Vanderbilt as well. But like 49 yards is like a, a punt, like maybe a field goal drive. That's a long field goal drive. 49 yards starting at the 49 yards starting at the 25 gets you a 42 yard field goal. The the entire Bears offense of the entire game against the Browns would have got them a 42 yard field goal. I understand the people who are calling for Matt Nagy to be fired like now. And I agree with you 100%. I don't know why Matt Nagy is still employed by the Chicago Bears. I don't know why the rule is that if you make the playoffs, you don't have to fire a coach and a GM. I was stunned that they let the GM pick the next quarterback, given the state of the franchise for the Chicago Bears. And now it looks like the Chicago Bears are about to let this coach and this general manager and, to be fair, this offensive coordinator, too, with Bill Lazor, pew, 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 He's about to let all of them just ruin Justin Fields before he even gets a chance at this point. And this seems to be a theme with most of the rookie quarterbacks. Last week, we came here and talked about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow, who's technically not a rookie, but because of his torn ACL, like feels like in the squad with all the rookie quarterbacks, but still feels really... You know, like, we're just rehashing the same thing each week here for the first three weeks, which is, did you see how bad Zach Wilson was? They got shut out by the Denver Broncos. Did you see how bad Trevor Lawrence was? They, you know, they threw a pick six, and it was his only completion of the third quarter was to the Arizona DB. I think it was Byron Murphy. I think Byron Murphy had the only catch of a Trevor Lawrence pass in the third quarter of that game. Like, it's all kinds of like laughably bad statistics from all of these quarterbacks who play for laughably bad teams and i know the bears beat the bengal's last week just basically by harassing joe burrow but i'm gonna i'm gonna mix the bears in there the bears are probably the worst one and two team in the nfl at this point in the season the texans are probably right there with them but those are the two teams that are one and two that you look at and say they are like pathetically bad Matt Nagy is there's no chance he's going to make it through there's almost no way Ryan Pace should be able to make it through although he could make the argument that the Nagy was the problem even though you know a lot of the failures of the Bears have been the picking of the quarterback position and I don't know what the game plan is from this point going forward for the Bears. As for the Browns, Browns just kicked ass against a team that was better than them, which the Browns should do. The Browns are a really good team. And I said coming into the year that the Browns, uh, I said I wanted to wait to see on the defense because, you know, just because you get new players doesn't make you a great defense. Cleveland Browns are a great defense. We can write that in stone or whatever else. They, they're great. Cleveland's great. Um, unbelievably great. <laughs> It's it, that's a that's a top defensive unit in the NFL. Rams might be better than them. Uh, Broncos are right up there, but man, that is the best. That is such such a good defense in Cleveland. All right, let's talk about the uh, the rest of the AFC North while we're at it, and uh, we're gonna laugh about this the Steelers and Bengals game coming up in memes of the weekend. But there is serious analysis to come from this because. Everyone, I, I felt weirdly vindicated this weekend because everyone on the internet was talking about Big Ben the way I'd been talking about Big Ben going back to the beginning of last year, where it felt like Big Ben was done because of the nature of an elbow injury and the fact that he hadn't kept great shape in his bo- of his body and he was 37 and... Last year, they basically just had to disguise him by turning him into Alex Smith. He had the second fewest yards per pass attempt. He had one of the, you know, he was, I think it was 20th in QBR in the NFL last year. The Steelers won with a system and the system was really great for a while. And then the defense got slightly worse and the, the system got exploited. And shout out to NFL hate memes with the stat that the Steelers are now 2-7 and seven since they started 11-0 and 0 last year. And they had huge success with the system, which is not, I'm not saying it in a mean way. Like, the fact they won that many games the way they did was hugely impressive last year. And so, Ben Roethlisberger, or Jimmy Garothlisberger, as I like to call him, which is appropriate given that uh, Jimmy Garof- Jimmy Garoppolo, not Jimmy Garoflisberger, Jimmy Garoppolo had a 40 QBR in the first half against the, the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. Jimmy Garoflisberger, aka Big Ben, aka Ben Roethlisberger, hasn't been as bad thus far this year. And in fact, we played the game with Stripe Hype on Friday about deep balls, and Big Ben was actually in the top 10 in the league in percentage of passes over the middle. So even though his arm is shot and the Steelers aren't putting up a ton of points, Pittsburgh put up, I think, 20 in the win against Buffalo, and in the week two loss... I do need to look at I know, obviously, in this game, they only put up 10 points, but in week two, they put up, sorry, this is, uh, oh, 17 points. That's right, the Raider game. So they've got 20, 17, and 10 early on in the season. And this was one of those games where, you know, Jason LaConforta is reporting after the game, the Steelers don't really know what to do at this point with Ben Roethlisberger because... The Steelers didn't prepare for a contingency plan at the quarterback position. And I talked about this before is that, you know, you you should not have kept rolling with, you know, Mason Rudolph as your backup. You should have been investing in the backup quarterback position in one of these Brissettes or Sam Darnold's even if you wanted to really get spicy with it. Maybe Dwayne Haskins is going to be okay. The offensive line isn't great. And the last time Dwayne Haskins had a poor offensive line, it didn't work out well. But also Dwayne Haskins was set up to fail by three offensive coordinators and two coaches within 15 games, I think, to start his career. And yes, being set up to fail is unfortunate, but you know it's not a great contingency plan that the Steelers prepared for for life after Ben Roethlisberger, which might come sooner than they realized, which I could have told you, Two years ago, you should have moved on, getting the life after Big Ben. You should have used all your draft picks this year to trade up and get Justin Fields. Now, to be fair, it worked out quite swimmingly for them to walk away with Najee Harris because that dude is going to be a stud for years and years at this point. But Fun stat from that game, Najee Harris got targeted 20 times, 20 times because Big Ben's safety blanket is now Najee Harris. It's not Chase Claypool. It's not Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not Deontay Johnson. The safety blanket is Najee Harris, and it's a better safety blanket than those names I mentioned, mostly because Claypool is better served working in the open field like a Metcalf or a Julio Jones. Yes, D- Claypool can like run dudes over, yes, but so can Najee Harris at the running back position. And so Pittsburgh doesn't need to use the pass like the run like they did in 2020 because Ben Roethlisberger has shown competence in using the weapons that they've spent so much time, money, and draft picks into building around him, whether it's this last year with Najee and Fryermuth in the draft, signing Eric Ebron, uh, drafting Juju Smith-Schuster, drafting Chase Claypool, drafting Deontay Johnson, drafting James Washington. They've put so much into the weapons around Ben Roethlisberger that Big Ben has shown more competence this year in using those weapons because the offense, for some reason, has opened up slightly more, even though now Najee has kind of replaced Ben as like the the safety blanket that ends up becoming the first option because all you got to do is put pressure on Big Ben. And by the way, if the Bengals pass rush can put that much pressure on Big Ben where he's getting sacked like four times at the back end of the game and you know QB hurried I think more times than any quarterback in the NFL in Week 3... I mean, the Bengals, like, okay, let's not disrespect the Bengals' pass rush too far. Trey Hendrickson's a very good player. He's got two sacks. Sam Hubbard technically got a contract extension with the Bengals. The point being, still, all in all, like, uh, Stripe Hype can come defend his defensive line when he comes on later in the week. The The point being, they don't have to use the pass like the run like they did last year they can actually use the run they can create design plays for 10-15 yards down the field just because of the personnel they have on the team but against the Bengals is where we were all reminded what I've been saying for about 17 months is that it's over for Ben Roethlisberger And you have to tailor an offense that uses him like a safety blanket with an uneventive play caller in Matt Canada. And it's going to eventually come back to bite the Steelers. Now, the loss to the Bengals sucks because one, that puts pressure on them to win the next game against the Bengals, who might actually be better than we think this year, given that, you know, Burrow and Jamar Chase is like the deadliest 1-2 combo under 25 years old that we've seen since... Jeez... Mahomes and Tyree Kill, when they were both under 25 and playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, like, it's it's a deadly combo right now between Burrow and Jamar Chase, and, wait a minute, is Mike Williams under 25? If Mike Williams is under 25, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna walk off here. Okay, Mike Williams is about to turn 27, so I don't have to freak out about that one, but still, like, that combo with Burrow and Chase is amazing, and Strife Hype can come talk about his team more later on in the week. But the point being towards the Steelers, a lot of people were getting reminded of the thing that I'd been saying when we were making fun of Big Ben and calling him Jimmy Garoflasberger and posting memes about being right in the playoffs about this being over for Big Ben and all that stuff. The Steelers didn't prepare for a contingency plan very, very well. And now they're looking around like, crap, what do we do? And as great as Najee Harris is, if Justin Fields was going to be a starting level quarterback in the NFL and you could have given up, you know, the same price that the Bears did at 20 for you guys to get him at 24, I think it would have been a better idea than drafting Najee Harris. Knowing Najee Harris is going to be awesome. This is kind of like the Giants conundrum where they took Saquon Barkley but left Josh Allen on the table. And I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to be Josh Allen, but even if he's like... Baker Mayfield? Damn did they leave a lot on the table in not going up to get that quarterback as a contingency plan for Big Ben because now they're just kind of left in limbo and I think the Steelers are pretty good but the defense is not as good as I thought they were originally. The Raiders and the Bengals start going berserk on you and I start to have second thoughts that maybe it was just a, a fluky weird game where Josh Allen played poorly in week one and not the work of your defense. Maybe a combination of both. Like, it's not like the Steelers defense is a bunch of scrubs, but, you know, recency bias, which I'm fully accounting for a small sample size, of course, says eh, Steelers defense, not quite as good as I said in week one, which was, you know, praising them as like, this is the, they might be the MVPs of the week is the Steelers defensive unit. They're not quite that but still, they need to make up for a lot of shortcomings on that offense if they want to compete with now a super, super deep NF- or AFC for some weird reason. Rodgers is so disgruntled with Green Bay Packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. And so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going. He is not making this about money. He wants out of there and he's telling you there is no amount of money. We want him back in the worst way. I know he knows that. And, um... You know, we'll continue to work at it. The situation between the Green Bay Packers and Devontae Adams is not good. As far as this weekend, as far as training camp, we will see... There's been one message consistently coming out of Aaron Rodgers' camp, and, and that's, I don't want to be here. Good Lord. Good Lord, Aaron Rodgers. Good Lord, 49ers. Good Lord, George Kittle. Good Lord, football. I mean, if you watched that Sunday night football game between the Packers and the 49ers, good freaking Lord. That was just entertaining football. And so, you know, for the the spirit of disclaimers and disclosure here. So we recorded a lot of this podcast during the Sunday night football game. So we had the Sunday night football game going, but also my internet went out. So we didn't watch a lot of the third quarter. And then we came back and took a break and watched the Packers and 49ers. And good Lord, that was an amazing fourth quarter. And in the first quarter, my favorite stat of the week, actually, maybe one of my favorite stats, there's a few good ones, but George Kittle being the leading rusher for the 49ers in the first half was excellent they scored that touchdown right before the end of the half which actually ended up making a big difference because this game was like towards the um towards the third and fourth quarter It kind of became a classic like Shanahan versus LaFleur game where they both like to run the the outside zone run the outside zone running schemes brought on by Mike Shanahan and they were both assistants with Washington and that amazing story we've talked about before with the LaFleurs and the Shanahans and all these now coaches McVay was there too all these young coaches coming from the same system with Kyle, with uh, Mike Shanahan in 2011 12 now all these guys are NFL head coaches with really good teams and it was really like slow for like 25 minutes and then we got to the last five minutes of the game it was just chaos it was three and out for the Packers it was Devontae Adams maybe getting concussed then MVS going out for the Packers Packers turning the ball over on a three and out 49ers look like they're going to go three and out and Jimmy G fumbles the ball and the Packers can't capitalize on it so then the 49ers get the ball again and ultimately they look like they're going to go out and have to punt, and I was actually had a stat that said, you know, Jimmy G was a th- has a 32% completion percentage in the final five minutes of games since the Super Bowl in 2020, so February of 2020. And after that, Jimmy Garoppolo converts a third and 10 to Kittle for 40 yards, converts a third and seven-ish to uh, Debo Samuel to set them up inside the 11 and then hits Kyle Juszczyk for the go-ahead touchdown to put him up one- But you gave Aaron Rodgers 37 seconds with no timeouts against the secondary that is depleted for the 49ers. Devontae Adams got all 56 yards to set up. Well, not 56. Let's see. Start at the 25. Then they go to midfield and then set up a 33. So all 42 yards completed by Devontae Adams. Sets up Mason Crosby's game winner, and we can talk about the X's and O's of that game, but it's just more fun to watch entertaining football. Both of those teams are evenly matched. They're both in probably the second tier of teams right now in the NFC behind the Rams and maybe the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers have been unhealthy. So... Those teams are all right there. They're all playoff teams in the NFC. The 49ers just have to win enough division games to not be the team that goes 7 and 10 in the um in the NFC West, but even still, like it's so so crazy what is going on between like the Packers with everything they've got with the last dance and casual RBF from Aaron Rodgers resting bleep face. And Devontae Adams looking over it at times and him getting concussed and being angry and all the craziness that was going on. It was just super, super entertaining football to cap off the week. I mean, man, it was so great. And the 37 second drive and the fact that it was the best player, too, because usually it's one of these like Jared Cook type plays because you have someone who can guard the best player. You make a concerted effort. We're going to take away the best player. But this time it was Rodgers and Devontae. Because they're just too damn good for all of us. All of us at the end of these games. So it was truly, truly a fun game at the end. Cap off our NFL Monday episode. Let's just roll through some of the other stories of the week. Saints and uh, Patriots between two mediocre teams. So it's funny. We kind of had like tiers this week of even matchups. So you had the Bucks and Rams elite teams. You had the Packers and 49ers above average teams. And then you had the Saints and Patriots mediocre, but still a lot to talk about because Mac Jones finally came down to earth. He had a uh, he had a couple game managing games. This one, he made some mistakes. The pick six wasn't his fault, but it was a pick six that welcomed him to the NFL the way all these rookies have been welcomed to the NFL which is really terrible performances but Mac Jones ends up having a rough day the Saints end up winning with their wildly sporadic defense it's been so hard to pin down exactly what the Saints defense is this year but it does end up working in favor of the Saints this week they you know they've given up More points to the Panthers than they did to the Packers and the Patriots combined. It's been a very, very confusing few days for, I guess, few weeks to kick off the year for the Saints. We know their offense is subpar. We knew the Patriots' offense was subpar. Those teams are very similar, and it gives me vibes that both of them are probably just going to miss the playoffs. Um, But Mac Jones finished with a 55 QBR, three interceptions, had to throw the ball 51 times, and was also the leading rusher because Damian Harris was terrible this week for the New England Patriots. There's a lot to actually decipher from a game that was mediocre and not fun to watch in the morning window, but not going to overreact either way, even if I can take a Mac Jones is not good victory lap on that one. Both teams have subpar offenses, subpar quarterbacks by starting NFL quarterback standards, which from talking to Patriots fans, They are just glad that Mac Jones is a starting caliber quarterback. And I would counter with, if you're going to draft him in the first round, of course he should be better than a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. But you take your victories where you can get them. So great job, Saints and Patriots. It was a boring game, but an interesting game. And uh, I don't know what to do with the Saints defense at this point. Um, Josh Allen, this time last year, I was actually NFL Monday three last year. We did our official apology to Josh Allen for saying the bills would go six and 10 and replace him because their defense wasn't going to be better than, or was going to be worse than it was in 2019, which it was very much. So they finished 14th in the league in DVOA on defense. I said they would finish somewhere in the 15, 16, 17 range. Josh Allen just happened to have the greatest single season increase of any quarterback in the history of the NFL And Josh Allen put up five touchdowns against a stinker from the Washington defense. And This is my rule on these things. If a point margin is more than three touchdowns, you learn nothing from the game. We learn nothing about the Bills. We already knew they were really good. We learn nothing about Washington. We already knew they have a good defense. We learn nothing about their defense from giving up that many points to Josh Allen. If they do it again, change the math around. But Washington's basically the same team they were last year. They've got a terrible offense, really good defense, going to finish about 7-10. and 10. This year that's not going to be good enough to sneak into the playoffs. So we know what Washington is. We don't exactly know what Buffalo is, especially in the weird and wacky AFC power structure right now with the Ravens and Browns and Bills and Chiefs not really knowing what to do with any of that. Um, good job for Buffalo. We learned nothing about your team from this. We already knew Josh Allen had this in him. Josh Allen brings it out for the first time this year, and they whoop up on Washington. Learn nothing about either team. Uh, Seahawks, we talked about them a little bit before. Really couldn't stop the run. It was quite strange. Um, And they really struggled to generate offense themselves. Uh, In the second half, Russell Wilson, I think, had a sub-70 passer rating, but that might not be true because he didn't have the interceptions towards the back end. It was just that he was... So good in the first half of that game that it just felt a bit disappointing afterwards to see everything that happened here. Remember, if we don't talk about your team here, it's probably because they're somewhere in the memes of the weekend pod, but they were down at the half, which was kind of surprising to me because, you know, Minnesota didn't play that great. Kirk Cousins, uh, our buddy Kirk Cousins, it's a weird dynamic we have with him, but Kirk Cousins is a very, very above-average quarterback or average quarterback. If you ask the question, is Kirk Cousins good, we'll never know the answer, but at least the Vikings aren't going to start 0-4, and then you have to kind of ask, where do we go from here at this point? At least these wins keep the Vikings in the mix early in the season. I have a feeling when we do the mixies come December 1st, the Vikings are going to be right there on that list, as they are usually most years, but... This year feels quite appropriate, considering the Packers are going to run away with that division. feels quite appropriate that the Vikings would be there. I think the, the real test of where the Vikings are going to finish, because we know what the team is on paper. It's about an 8-9 win team, maybe 10 because of the weird 17-game schedule. But whether they'll make the playoffs or not is just going to come down to how they fare in one-possession games, like against Arizona, like against Cincinnati kind of against seattle but more specifically how they do against the lions and the bears as long as they get three wins there they should at least be a fighting chance for the seven seed in the nfc this year because like we talked about all year and i still don't know the answer to this question but someone's gonna have to lose 10 games in the nfc west next week's gonna give us a good answer because seahawks play the the 49ers and the Rams play the Cardinals next week. And then on Thursday, the Rams play the Seahawks. So we're going to start solving that NFC West puzzle for sure this week, even though the Seahawks are one and two Seahawks might actually be the best team out of the group. Surprisingly, it's just their defense can't really stop the run or generate pass rush, which like we talked about earlier, it's not that surprising, but it was also unexpected from the Seahawks to kick off the season. Um, Cardinals 3-0 and great team good on them don't really have much analysis for the NFC West we'll save it for next week and uh, yeah the they were, looked like it was a trap game at the beginning and like weird fluky things happened like the missed field goal and Jamal Agnew returned 109 yards that we're going to play over on the memes of the weekend podcast because it's an amazing, amazing Gus Johnson call um, but yeah, that was a weird, wacky, like trap game situation, like, uh, just losing the football at a certain point. And then, uh, I think they, I think they outscored the, the Jaguars like 28 to three in the second half or something like that, or 24 to three finished 31, 19, covered the spread, looked like they were going to lose the game outright and they still ended up covering the spread. So good job to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, And, of course, finally, the Jets got shut out. Thanks for stopping in, everybody, to our NFL Monday podcast. Make sure to follow, download, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to check us out on Spotify, Believe on Twitter. Our Instagram, we got all kinds of fun content and the Memes of the Weekend pod that is uh, well above this. So maybe you've already listened to it based on the order that you're tuning in. Just leave those downloads. Help us continue to support us and support our sponsor over at Bet Online Sportsbook. Link to that in the description to today's episode. So it was a longer weekend recap. It was a longer Memes of the Weekend, but it was a crazy NFL weekend and boy did I enjoy it. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.